You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ from my Amazon 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you channel, please consider subscribing, hitting the bell icon so you made aware of any time put new content on. Lots of stuff happening. Um, obviously got all the charity stuff coming on the next week or so, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and lots of great guests, including today's guest. You recognize him. He's usually on the other side of the screen because usually he's doing it all, and, and, and Baz is sort of like, you know. Ant and Deck, you know, you have to have them in certain ways. So it's going to be a bit weird for some people. I might flip their phone over to make sure it's around the right way. Um, but it's Frankie from Cloud of Army TV. How you doing, Frankie? How's things, man? Yeah, very well, all things considered, mate. All, exactly, all, all things considered. Exactly. As long as we've got our elf and uh, roof over our head, I think that's uh, that's that we're, you know, we're on par. You know, if we were playing golf at the time, we were all right. So uh, <laughs> how's, how's things been for you? Obviously, you know, yeah, everyone sees you this really current and blue uh army tv but obviously work-wise um how's everything's going for you at the moment man yeah good not bad at all um you know i suppose you set your expectations really low in these times and mm. you, you sort of didn't give yourself much hope of um you know operating much business much turnover and you know we we planned for almost you know no turnover over these mm. sort of months and and yeah. actually we've been pleasantly surprised we've really helped to plan with people um the people who want to plan i think some people to be honest wanted a holiday and they enjoyed mm. a bit of holiday and yeah. i think it was the first time really even when i so i used to go to to my place in spain a lot you go over there but you still don't switch off so you're still thinking about what's going on at home you're still talking to stuff no one ever really has a proper break but because everyone was shutting doors you was able to actually completely switch off for a change. So I think that was a real positive that people were able to have a proper. Um, but then I think some people got caught a little bit in that habit and, and still in sort of holiday mode at the moment. So um, but the companies who really want to press on and really want to sort of change what they traditionally do to suit mm. The current environment now um we've really helped them to to do that so a lot of people didn't offer stuff online we've helped them implement that so they can sell their product online without any contact and stuff so yeah. it's um yeah that that's been fun and it's been different and it's been good 
to see their expectations being overachieved as well. Because I think they yeah. all thought they're the worst. Um, and actually, we've been able to pleasantly surprise them with with how much business they've actually done. So that, that that's been that's good. that's been good. Yeah, and I think it's the way people diversify in their business now, it seems, isn't it? It's like it's it's not, you know, traditional ways. It's it's looking at other ways to to market the business, other ways to, to get to into people's homes and stuff, particularly obviously as as we said before on camera, you know, before we started, you know, people necessarily going in and and, and doing the doing the, the sale face to face, you know, and things like that. It's it's being a bit more uh, open to, to do new things and, and in business in general, you know, I mean my, my firm, you know, they're they're much more open to people working from home where you know, beforehand i mean they had to be now but beforehand they weren't so much and it's just the nature of the beast but it opens up people's eyes and gives it you know i think actually when everything comes out of it i think we'll be a, a better working environment because people will be working from home and there'll be because you can do that now and people have proven the model works and stuff and uh yeah it's um it's yeah, as i said we're sort of, you know, as long as you keep your head above water you know everyone's all right at the moment as you said um planning for the worst but expecting the best type thing but uh yes and, and, and same as west ham and same as west ham we plan for the worst and then mm -hmm. and then uh you know we plan for that relegation we're all worried and um and then we got a little bit pleasantly surprised and relatively a little bit sort of less painless than i thought it was going to be towards the end to be honest but um yeah and then and then obviously you know optimism blind optimism for the rest of the yeah this next year's our season this is our season and then the fixture list comes out and you're like yeah about that <laughs> it comes with a territory a little bit it for does. me it i mean does. being a west ham fan you, you you know what you're gonna i mean it's obvious to everyone and we all know you know there's so many times where you, you're having a really really bad run and you see sort of you know, Tottenham first game at their stadium around the corner and it don't look like you can get a win, but you can pinpoint that and go, that's, that's where we'll win next. It, yeah. It's just typical West Ham, um, which is funny really on social media these days that we all know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. West Ham have never been any different for since I can ever remember. No. Um, yet some people still, uh, you know, just sort of on social media, they always are, well, you know, why are you being so pessimistic? Well, it's not being pessimistic. We just know what's going to happen. We, we, yeah. It happens every single time with West Ham. We, we love doing it to ourselves. We never take the... Um, I remember my dad, who, who really is my influence to being a West Ham fan, really, he always used to say West Ham's um, sort of mentality is every time they turn a corner, they bump up the curb and hit a tree. That's and good that's shot. exactly right. It was exactly what we do. We always yeah. think we're... We're moving on to that next thing and then that happens and then you start all over again. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I love it yeah. like that. It makes yeah. it all more fun. It does. I mean, it, that's what I get a sense when we do these interviews with people is is they like that roller coaster. They hate it, but they like it at the same time. One guy I spoke to said going to West Ham, particularly over the last few seasons, was a bit like a chore, but it's a chore they want to do every Saturday. And it's true. You know, we get, yeah, as I said on someone the other day, you know, Saturday we've lost you know you come home you unseries link match of the day because you don't want to even appear in your in your sky q or sky sky plus box and then friday and then on monday right here we got on saturday oh we got you know it all starts again and you know these things are going to happen you know and you, and it's like you know you don't know when when you're on a peak until you hit a, hit a dip and that's so true you know you get two or three games and you're thinking when's we get when's it going to end oh uh oh, we're probably playing bernie next week yeah we'll probably lose um but it's i, I don't think i i don't think i would enjoy being like a 
although I would probably enjoy like winning something, but uh, like being like a Liverpool, you know what I mean? Where they're, we're turning over to it must get boring. It must get boring, Frankie, beating teams four nil, three nil, five nil every week. It's you know it must be a right drain. Um, must be so the people once. will moan about you for that, but I totally agree. I, no, I, I no, I don't care. I wouldn't want to be like that. I would never, ever want to be just the side that goes and wins. And it makes them moments. Them, do you know, our moments ain't even really winning trophies. Our moments no. are going to Old Trafford in the third round of the FA Cup and beating them 1-0. Yeah, and, exactly. and those moments are all the more special. It means so much. Um, it's so, totally right. I love it. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't. You're right. And we get three or four moments a season. And we know we can, and it's one year it might be, it might be Arsenal. The next year we might be beating Tottenham or it might be Chelsea. It might be, you know, uh, or Man United or we get a point away at City. You know, all these types of things. And they happen three or four times a season. And it just sort of lifts us up for a little bit. And then we know we're going to lose, as I said, to like a Leeds next year or something like that. But that's that's why we're West Ham. We're not in it for the football. You back the wrong also- why you have to go every single game. Yeah, you yeah, never yeah, know yeah, when yeah. that moment's going to happen. So you yeah. have to keep going. So you have to go for all that heartache. It's not like you can sort of, you know, pick and choose. You have to go for all of that turmoil and all of that torture to then finally have that one magical moment. But it just means you have to beat all the time. I made a mistake last year. I didn't go to the Chelsea away game. And I, I just said to him, I gave my tickets to me, mate. I said, go on, you go, because I, I can't be bothered with that because we're just going to get run through. Next thing you know, there you go. And I should have known better because yeah. we all know that that's exactly what we do. So exactly. you just have to always be there because those moments, they they appear when you least expect them. Totally. I mean, you know, who would think, you know, you know, 20 years ago, you turn up and you're playing Bradford City and we have that game which we still talk about 20 years later you know it was, yeah. it was like just mental but that was that's just west ham and and it sort of leads on to the question he says eight minutes into the video the first question which i always ask is um why is west ham your club right you mentioned your dad but why why is it why is it your club hmm, it's an unusual one because I, I was born and bred and brought up in southeast london so yeah. It really, when I went to school with everyone, everyone was me a wall. Um, I got a lot of stick for ending up being West Ham, but um, I lived sort of southeast London and drifted out a little bit more towards Kent in sort of Welling, Bexley Heath type area. Um, and but my family were always traditionally from um, Woolwich in South London, and we had a lot of family businesses there, and we have a lot of connections to Woolwich. Um, we still do now, to be honest. So, um, but everyone from Woolwich at that time, Cholton didn't have a ground and they wasn't really a team that were running then. So your local team wasn't there. Arsenal had obviously moved out of Woolwich a long, long time ago. Um, mm. And everyone from Woolwich supported West Ham because you used to walk through the foot tunnel, get a 101 so bus down man, to Upton Park. Was, yeah. and, and that's it. So everyone from Woolwich was, was West Ham. Um, yeah. And once you come out of the Woolwich area and you move the slightly more into South London, Eltham and those sorts of areas, everyone Millwall. Um, mm. But just that little pocket of South London there, um, everyone was everyone was West Ham. So yeah. that was the journey. My dad was exactly the same. He came from he came from that area. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny. It's funny when you say, do you remember your first game, Frankie? Do you remember your first game? So I'll, vaguely. So yeah. I went, my first game was when I was two years old. Oh, um, and in the North Bank, you used to have those posts that used to stand up in the North Bank there, the claret and blue post. And I remember just being propped up onto that post and sort of trying to watch the game. So um, that was the, my first game supporting West Ham. My first real memory, um, we had Blackburn at home and uh, the, the 
and this is what I think is such a shame about where we are now, because this won't mm. happen anymore. I remember being in the Bobby Moore lower, sitting right behind the goal, but you could almost touch Ludic McCloskey. Mm. He was there in front of you. Yeah. And you felt as a young child so part of what was going on on that pitch because you were there. I mean, you could even hear Ludo talking. Um, I remember they got a free kick and I, uh, as a young kid, you think you're, you're helping him out. So I'm standing there telling him to watch the shot. Um, next thing you know, Blackburn have popped it in the top corner. So it's, but you were so close to the, the, the what was happening. You could almost feel it. You could sense it. Yeah. It was just, and it's just a shame now that where we are, that if you, you are a young you know, West Ham fan and you're behind the goal. You just, you're not going to have that same intimacy yeah, that, that you did then. So yeah. um, that was my earliest memory of a, a game that I can really truly remember, to be honest. And you sort of remember walking up and the porter cabin on the left-hand side, which was the club shop then, Yeah. Um, which was, again, I, I know it, football changes and you have to move on, but just those things were so raw and so um, almost beautiful at the same time. It was just when football was proper football and it felt yeah. like, you know, something really, really special. So, um, yeah, I remember sort of that first time walking down to Upton Park and smelling the smells that you get when you walk down there with the cheap yeah. burger vans and all that. It was it was mad. And seeing them them floodlights, just magical, magical sort yeah. of things of feelings as a youngster. And that, that was it. I was hooked. You know, you yeah. got all your other friends at school or a man united and this and that but to me i was that was me hooked as you done i used to yeah i remember that that port cabin that was hilarious wasn't it because like you'd have to you'd, like, it was squash i mean you couldn't do it now fuck no not social distancing yeah. um but uh you say squash you go yeah can i have a look at that and that um that's that sticker and they would have to get out of a drawer show you it how much is that 50p no you're all right and it's like it's like it was just so weird such a weird place and sometimes you'd see some of the staff running in getting a shirt and you know it's just you're right it was more sort of a a spit and sawdust time you know what i mean it was all yeah. it was raw and he's like you know and it was um obviously it's, you said you, you said it's about football just moving on and stuff and yeah those bur those burger vans that cheap smell i could never I can never recreate that smell. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, mm. I, I smell it once when I went past a, a fish, fish and chip shop and it just took me back. Mm. And, uh, it was funny. It was like literally three or four weeks ago. And, uh, and then I said to my wife, Oh yeah, we just, I'm just going to go down Urcans and get, um, and get the kebabs. Urcans. I haven't been Urcans on the corner for like, well, 10 years. Cause it, you know, where the old Bobby, where the old Brookin and, and Bond's mural was. And I was like, where did that come from? And it was just like how like smells and stuff evoke. And I always remembered in, um, by the supporters club, there was two burger vans, like opposite that little, really small little road, like dead end. And I was thinking, why are you so close? You know, it's like really weird turf war. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, bun war in terms of those two, yeah. but, uh, no, yeah, it's, it was, uh, it was a special, I mean, as you said, as a kid, everything you're taking, everything. I mean, I remember, and actually you were saying about Ludo and, and watch out of these schools. I remember vividly my first game and it set me up for life with West Ham, to be honest. Um, my, my granddad took me and, I think in, in the opposition we played like Oxford United or something like that, and they scored after literally thirty seconds. And my granddad just turned to me and said, "That's it, get used to it." And I didn't believe him at the time, and now I do, because obviously that was our promotional season, so we won loads of games and it was all exciting. But obviously, he was in the, you know, I was a glory hunter basically, you know, uh, quite clearly. Um, and obviously, all the stuff with, with Clanborough Army TV. I mean, you know, that must be fun. You and Baz and and doing all that type of stuff. 
Yeah, we. It was really set up as sort of decided yeah. he didn't really want to go and get involved anymore and yeah it, it was a shame because you know he used to drive every single game he was there without foul and mm. he was collecting for Isla and it was he's such a huge part of his life for such a long yeah. time uh, and he felt very disconnected from from West Ham and you know he also with his work he's sort of intermittent mm. one minute he's, he's yep. really busy and the next minute he isn't and sure. it was just like look you have got some spare time if you know i can set you up and and get things going then do you want to do you want to go on and talk about things so mm. that that's where it all stemmed from really and then i sort of had no intention really of even uh, i would my idea was to go on as a guest maybe once a month and, sure. and that would be it. And then you sort of get the bug for it. And even for myself, it's nice to to get it off your chest at times, really, after yeah. a, a game happens and there's things that you want to rant about and there's things you want to get out of your system. Um, it's nice to be able to go on and, and sort of get all that off your chest, really. So that that's why it, it, it sort of was born, really. And, you know, is, are we trying to sort of really push on in that space and get loads of subscribers and all that? Not really, but it mm. is literally just a platform for us to have a bit of fun with. And, yeah. and it might not seem it's there to... And it's, it's so strange today. It feels so much more relaxed being on this side of it and, and sort of not... <laughs> Uh, you can actually just enjoy it and you can be a bit yeah. more with it because you're not you're not being pulled on your opinions on things and one thing that me and Baz cannot do and will never do we will never sugarcoat or try and you know look at anything through rose-tinted glasses it's sure. always straight from the heart it's honest opinions mm. and people sometimes don't like to hear the truth because the truth mm. hurts sometimes but that we're always going to be the same that will never change and if people want to you know enjoy that and and listen to that then great if they don't then that's absolutely fine and that's, yeah. that's up to them so it, it's never you know a, a thing that we're trying to sort of take over the world with it it's just a, a bit of fun really so. yeah it was and obviously yeah had the quiz the other day that was great fun i love that that was good fun a that few was technical good. issues unfortunately yeah, but it was it was uh you can you can was it you can you can, you can guide a horse together a bit or to the river but you can't make it drink or you know that you can only do so much frankie but i thought that was good fun that was good that was nice and it and it's nice as well because obviously you do you know that type of stuff really you know it's interactive it's you know we've had some other people do quizzes and stuff and it tends to be more of like a game show where you have guests and but it was nice to get you know the fat you know the, the the people watching it can can jump on it was good fun mm. obviously ken irons won obviously um my unofficial fact checker well, we'd, we'd really purposely tried to set it up so knowledge <laughs> had no bearing on the result we, that was what we uh, we me and Baz had sat there and gone what questions can we are uh, like put out there that are, are just going to make it so you can have all the west ham knowledge in the world but you you, you it ain't going to help you that, yeah. that was the, the idea and it still it hit the mr knowledge sort of walked it really so. he did he did i i came second though for those of you interested you well, I, yeah you i did well. yeah i buggered up a couple of ones you know i, I didn't read the questions as a travel what was the experience like being on that side of it i love it no i love it i know because it's like it's great you know because it's it's um uh i i mean to be honest we've done i've done quite a few you know quiz nights and zoom and stuff like that and um so much so that 
the one that my wife's company did, I think they got a bit fucked off on us because we'd win every week. Because you know, <laughs> I like I, I, I like I like to. I'm quite good, but um, with West Ham knowledge, I'm pretty shit to be perfectly honest. And um, but a few bits I sort of knew, and it was or I could guess. I guessed a few. I'll be honest, but um, yeah, and no, I thought it was good fun. It was it was a really nice platform, and uh, and we've got we we're doing a game show um for the um for the iron supporting food banks charity event next week um where we're getting a few like guys like ryan and and um and charlie and anton we're doing like a pointless thing based on hammers 11 you know how many you know it's sort of get obscure you know you have to get the most obscure answers and things like that so it's gonna be quite fun but no i loved it i thought it was really cool and a really nice way to sort of interact with people and, and get them involved and um more so than maybe doing a live stream where you can chat and comment and you know you could do that and you know dish out some prizes and obviously guys who were shit and got no questions and wooden spoon that no, was great fun i thought it was a really good idea frankie and hopefully you guys keep it going um appreciate it. there's a lot of work involved in that but um definitely i think you should make ken irons be the quiz master <laughs> that would make a lot of sense in it and then he would not win and then and then you know as you said but then it could be the other way and it could be you might have the most like really really complicated really you know hard questions and stuff and then people yeah. would switch off it's having that balance in it it's having the balance where people has got enough where they can get a few questions but then there'll be a few tricky ones so you know but anyway anyway we digress as we always do on this thing um so anyway so so the, the whole idea as i mentioned about this hammers 11 you know so we've interviewed about 150 odd people i think so far um in the last four or five months as long as the channel's been going and, and we want to find out their 11 so they're 11 players so the only rule is really that you, you have to be alive to a scene and play. Otherwise, if not, we'd all have Bobby Moore, Je you know, Billy Bonds, Brookin, but you and me, Frankie, never saw them. Um, and so, you know, it's we've got other legends such as um, Javier Margas and, you know, and uh, it's Jonathan Spector and David D. McKaylee, for example. Um, and so that's the idea to try and get this nice cross session. And we've had about 200 and 20 or different players come up so it's not the same players also obviously a few times you know certain players do appear in everyone's 11 but regardless of what people do in terms of themes or whatever and um, we do get a nice cross section so that's what we do i'm really interested obviously baz baz was like my first he was I, he was my he was he was the the Miami's 11 virgin really bless him um and you're kind of about 150th so you know there's a there's a sort of a yin and yang look about this uh, which i quite like um so we'll start off in goal um so who will we have in goal for the frankie 11 so uh the, the it's i'm glad you you said that so, uh, i've kind of gone with players that i have a a real moment that i remember brilliant so it. and and that's the reason why i've picked them so there will be some hopefully some more different names to what you've you've had already um because it's not necessarily they are the legend it's just no that's yeah. something significant that i remember about supporting west ham so um in goal we've already sort of touched upon it so uh, yeah it's it's ludo um yeah. like i say sitting behind the goal there and and sort of me remembering him in that green bright green kit it's just yeah. just sticks in sticks in your mind it, it, you know and I, I just it was such a connection uh that was my first real sort of moment of, of being a west ham fan that mm. it couldn't be anyone else really and no. not only that but we still sing his name to this day don't it we? is so yeah it's crazy isn't it 
Yeah. And was he the best goalkeeper in the world? Not really. I mean, he was a, a decent shot stopper, mm. a bit suspect coming for, for crosses. He was always a bit shifty with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was a good, solid goalkeeper. He was a, a typical old school West Ham player, really, a proper servant, someone who was committed to the calls and loved the club. And that means a lot to me. And that's I think that's why we still sing his name. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, goalkeepers, apart from sort of a six month period last season, um, goalkeepers now we've never really had a real problem you know it's always been you know we've always had a good a good keeper you know uh you know whether it was a ludo obviously phil parks before then or rob green david james shaka fabianski now you've always had a good a good keeper and i think you know compared to other positions um particular oh, compared to other positions particularly i think uh we're goalkeepers although i think we'll have to look at next year season after next in terms of um replacing old fab because you know he'd be 36 next year i think something like that it's quite old for a goalkeeper um and, and you look at who you know who are the second third and fourth choices they're all mid 30 yeah mid 30s as well so it's an aging an aging problem i think but um, i think we're we'll right for this season right okay we'll put ludo in goal um you go through the team as you want to frankie um, okay I'll go right back. Sure. Next, and Sebastian Schemmel. Um, I suppose really because he just was such a, a workhorse down that yeah. right hand side there, and the game that we had against uh, Man United at Old Trafford in the FA Cup, mm. he was just unbelievable that day, and then that whole season actually, he just didn't stop running, and he was so committed to the calls. He was such a sort of charismatic character on the football pitch as well. He was just, you remember his long hair and he was just, yeah. he really stood out as this sort of, and at that time, that's why I, I miss that a little bit about us now, that even West Ham always had heroes. We've always mm -hmm. had heroes in our teams. Yeah. And I think we're lacking a hero at the moment. I think mm -hmm. we're lacking that real, um, at the moment, it's probably Declan Rice. But really, in my time of watching West Ham, we always had the fair flair players, the attacking players mm -hmm. that were our heroes. Um, but even if you took those heroes out of it, you always had other players that still really stood out that you loved and you just they weren't the best players in the world but they were solid they were committed they were you know 110 percent givers and he was one of those players and mm. i just felt we had such a a team at that point in time that you felt you could go anywhere and get a result you just believed yeah. and i remember going up to that day old trafford and you just knew we was going to win. I mean, there was just West Ham everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. I got off a bus and you go into Old Trafford. I mean, they've got 70,000 odd fans there. You expect yeah. it to be swarming with Man United, but it wasn't. There was West Ham everywhere you went. We went into the town the night before. We stayed in Stockport, went into town the night before. And everywhere you looked, there was just West Ham. It just had that feeling that you knew something special was going to yeah. happen. And Schemmel was a big, big part of that and and that's why he's in there I think as a youngster my favorite player was Steve Potts and he yeah. was a close player to go in there but I as I said I don't really have any memories that I can pick yeah, out and go that was a Steve Potts moment yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but Schemmel was you know that day he was just phenomenal for me and the other one that people don't mention he won't be in my team was Tahinian as well he was a oh, colossus yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah. He was so good that day. He was just a, a wall that they just couldn't get past. So, yeah, yeah those two have always stuck in my mind.
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Seb as well. I mean, you know, not being funny, you know, he hammered the year in his first year at the club, you know, and it's from a right back, you know, that yeah, always gives you a bit more, you know, fair play about it because, you know, it's not a glamorous position, but he he galvanised he galvanised that position and people loved him. And then obviously his second season syndrome, which happens all the time at West Ham and fell off the place of the year. I think because he had his hair cut, if I remember, he cut his hair <laughs> over the summer, like Samson with his footballing prowess but um yeah no that one season he was just absolutely awesome and you he was excited i was that you know i remember he was in my 11 as well and i was like do you know what we've got a right back here you know we've got mm. like a bomb like a new style of right back that's why i think it was exciting because you know he was the first one of that sort of more modern right you know bombing forwards you know really sort of tenacious and um yeah yeah no it was uh it, it was a shame um but he owns a, a bar in luxembourg now doesn't he called the west uh, called he really park. yeah called upton park or something like that i believe it's called um trying to get him on the channel uh right okay seb's him who's next then frankie um alongside him in the middle will be thomas repka oh tommy repka and obviously i after his first three games, I probably hated him more than I'd ever hated another West Ham player in my life. Um, just getting sent off every every game. Um, I just couldn't believe what he was doing. It was I've never seen anything like it. So a very unusual start to his his West Ham career. Yeah. Um, but he massively grew into it. And again, he was one of them players who you know, if you was against a, 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 one of the better teams, one of the footballing teams, he'd go and leave his mark on players. And I, I, that's, I always remember that about West Ham. Yeah. Back in the day, we had your John Moncurs who would come on and let people know you're there. We had that bit of grit about us that if you was playing a, a top team, we would <coughs> really yeah. sort of get in amongst them and upset them. And we could, as much as we could still play football, we, we would know how to upset teams as well. And I love yeah. that. And, and he, you know, the main reason he's in here is because of that game against Fulham. Um, yeah. to, to be in the middle of that pitch after Anton Ferdinand scored that unbelievable goal over his shoulder, which was just what a finish that was. And then, yeah. you know, full-time bubbles goes up and he's just breaking down on the middle of the pitch in tears. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favourite clips to watch on YouTube. You just, If anyone wants to know what it should mean to be a West Ham player, yeah. And why I get frustrated and Baz gets frustrated about West Ham in our current state, mm. go and watch that video and every single player that plays for us should have that same emotion for West Ham United. Mm. Um, and I love Thomas Rett. He was sort of like, at that point in time, one of my heroes. And I remember being a mascot for the Coventry in the Cup game. I think it was the League Cup. Yeah. Um, we was really bad at that particular time. And I can't remember whether our manager was still there or whether the manager had gone, but it was close anyway. Um, so I got to go into the dressing room and I was just taken back that Thomas Repka was there. I was just like, mm. oh, there's my idol. And I phoned up my uncle and I'm in the dressing room and I'm like, oh, there he's in front of me. He's like, is he there? Is he he's there? He's like, yeah, go and talk to him. Go and talk to him. I'm sitting in front of him trying to talk to him. He don't speak a word of English. He cannot understand a word I'm saying. I'm sitting there thinking he's ignoring me and he's like, what's this kid doing? Like, get him away yeah. from me sort of thing because I'm just driving him mad because he ain't got a clue what I'm saying. Um, so I was a bit like taken and then I realised, oh, he actually don't speak english so uh, at first i was a little bit like well why is why is he hate me so much yeah, yeah, then, yeah. yeah and then it all turned around so yeah thomas repka for me i just think um like i say just to just to see what west ham meant to him yeah was enough was enough for me to put him in there yeah i know what you mean and actually i was slightly and i know what you, what you mean about sort of 
new players coming in, understanding what it means to be a West Ham player. Uh, I was encouraged something that Moy said actually recently about the, the players he wants to bring in from now on. He wants to make sure that they know what it means to be a West Ham uh, West Ham player. You know, in terms of the fans and stuff, and you get that feeling obviously with Suchek and and um, and Bowen that they just they you know particularly Bowen. He's just he's that. He's, he's the, the right type of person we need, you know, that sort of young, sort of hungry British-based player who's going to just be mustered. And same as Suchek as well. He just seemed it's grafters, but, you know, but not grafters in, you know, water carrier players, but with a bit of skill about them. And, um, no, yeah, and I think that's probably why the reason why he's got more West Ham older play, ex-players in the, in the squad, you know, sort of, or in the playing staff as well, you know, obviously no Nolan and Stuart Pierce and obviously Colton and um Kancheski's gone to Billericke now, but Zavon and and various others and Steve Potts and Kevin Keane and you know it's to get that sort of communicate that across. So when you are playing Tottenham, uh people know why the fans are already at this heightened state because it's not traditionally uh you know geographically a rivalry because it's there's there's is north london but obviously tottenham is and even chelsea and people like that but um yeah no i know i know what you mean it has been and also i think just think that the nature of the players we've, we've brought in over the last sort of few three or four years in before then was were more professional football players that makes sense you know they see the job as a they see it as a job uh, rather than as a passion as well and i think it's, it's so contrasting as well with people like mark noble and yeah mm, it's an interesting dynamic really to to look at as to why because you can't say thomas repka was was born on green no. street and lived no. there all his life and was a west ham boyhood fan and whatever do you know what i mean so it, it's not about being from the area it's nice. no, not so at you all. can bring in it's I think we, as fans, we moaned a little bit since we moved that our identity had been lost a little bit. Mm. Um, and I think that then also showed from the players that we were bringing in, they also didn't get what West Ham was yeah. all about. And I, get that, yeah. I think there's something that we need to do to, to replace that. But you're right, the, the, the right type of moves are being made. Obviously, Stuart Pearce coming in on the coaching staff recently, I think so superb addition because i think mm. he knows exactly what it's all about and he's got the right yeah. mentality how many, to... how many years as well you know so absolutely so i think he could give them a a bit of a kick when they when they need it so i would i would not want to be in the changing room at half time if you're two nil down or three nil down to west brom or whatever which we're no doubt going to be this season with him with piercy kevin nolan Moyes, and alan irvine he ain't he ain't a shy, a shy violet yeah, ripping, <laughs> and I think that's what we need. I think we've been, yeah. you know, Pellegrini was, you know, more European, no European, more foreign based, obviously South American, but less. It was almost like he he didn't have that sort of work working class mentality of a football club where David Moyes sort of does. I just I just see him. I know people, yeah, some people like him. Some home. I see him as more of a fit as we are at the moment. What we need to achieve. Same as Slav. Slav was brilliant on the passion side, but you think he wanted to be everyone's mate. And he he wouldn't rip sh you know, shreds of shit out of them if they haven't performed. And I just think you need to be have that sort of. I mean, Alex Ferguson, famously, you know, the, the, the hair dryer treatment and stuff. And that's what I think you need. That slightly, you know, if you do a good job, he'll praise you. But if you fuck up, he'll actually, you know, rip you. And uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I know what you mean. And you're right. People like Paolo Di Canio and people like that. You know, we might talk about that later. But you know, they're not from around here. But 
they just get the fans and um it's strange how some people just connect and some people don't connect um but anyway back to we got thomas tracker <laughs> who's gonna part the thomas in the center then frankie has to be rio yeah um there's no real massive memory that stands out other than being up at leeds and singing you'll never get rio and then five <laughs> minutes later he's actually been sold um that, that was a, a you know that was um something that will always sort of stay with me uh but the the thing i think with him was i i played center half as a as a boy that was where i played i used to play a lot of football yeah um but it was the first time i'd ever really seen a center half who wanted to have the ball at his feet and run out of defense and try and get play going and make things happen um it was so new to me i've just never seen anything like that before and especially as a, a west ham fan and such a talent he was sort of coming through it was just such a joy to watch so mm. um it sort of completely changed my thoughts of how a center half should be um and to be honest i think he at that point in time i think he was one of the first to really you know, adapt that position and, and make it more of a, a half-back kind of role where you yeah, could I mean. push into the midfield. So, mm. um, and I don't think people give him enough credit for that. I think he no. did change um, how centre-arse play football all on his mm. own, really. So, um, yeah, just an unbelievable talent. And yeah, as a, as a West Ham fan, I don't think I'd ever seen anyone on that level as a centre-half before. No. I just think he was superb. Yeah, and you're right. He sort of moved away from the... The defenders really weren't it like center half was like a blocker he was like the hardest blocker out of the four at back four and um now you're totally right it just it, it did make it a lot more um uh, ball playing you know just as you said like having the ability you said really we could easily play in every position on that on that he probably could have a going goal as well to be honest um but he could play any position in that team and um and not be out of place obviously i think you know he played i think cameron's right wing back once he was played midfield they put him up front a couple of times and you know it was you know but it was um it was a great player and he still has a deep affection for west ham and and that's what we like when players leave and they leave in the right way don't they in terms of you know still yeah. talking nicely of the club yeah. and stuff like that he left in the wrong way because we sold him for far too little money oh we did yeah, always yeah. seem to do and i i, I just fear that we're going to go and do that again with the the english talent that we've got at the moment as well so yeah. um we never seem to get the right money for for players and we certainly didn't get the right money for for rio further yeah no i agree particularly obviously you know cut the seasons they flipped him to to united weren't it for for a stonky more money um right okay rio's in uh left back we're playing left back we got left back john pantil was close he was very very close just for having such a limited ability player who yeah. then had his own lap of honor when he left West Ham. He exactly. just off on his own, running around the pitch, doing his own lap of honor. Everyone was looking, going, what is this geezer doing? He was just off running around the pitch at the last game of the season. Never seen anything like it. But, you know, for what he was, I mean, we used to sing, you know, number one's John Pantsill, number two's John Pantsill. We all dream of a team of John Pantsills. Like, we yeah. just, we loved him. Um you know i still do that now when you've got the the people calling the the numbers at the ticket office if i'm in the queue um, and they tell you what booth to go to if they shout out number two i'll shout out john pantsy when everyone looks at it, i don't think people even remember who john pantsy was now we've had him on the um, channel he's great he's a great he's, he's a great fun great just the fun. character i think yeah. he ended up beating up a policeman or something as well didn't he in a police station he was a bit of a 
yeah. bit of a nut job, but what a character and and just so he didn't make it because unfortunately his ability wasn't quite there. But he, <laughs> fond memories of of John Pansil. Oh, um, left backs always something since I've supported the club that I think we've struggled with a little mm. bit, and I've never really taken to any of them. Mm. But Nigel Winterburn is my choice, Ooh, great and shout. that really is because of the header at the back post against Leeds away. <laughs> um, it was just unbelievable. At that time, Leeds were a force, and they were yeah. a, a team to be reckoned with, and they were going on to semi-finals of Champions Leagues and and all sorts. And I don't think we expected anything at Ellen Road that day um, when no. he scored that header at the back post. Just unbelievable reaction from the fans. It was just, and it was such a a scary place to be before the game. I come yeah. off the, the club coach and there were people trying to snipe me away and it was such a horrible atmosphere. So then to get that one over of them, it was just, it went absolutely crazy up there. And that memory is something again that would just sort of stick with me. Um, so yeah, he goes in. Yeah. And it was part of that time, you know, obviously we had, we had Stuart Pierce and, and, and obviously Nigel, we had, you know, the, the Razors, the Ian Wrights. They, you know, it was almost like, it's almost like when you're playing championship manager and you get to that close season, you see who's available on a free transfer. Yeah. And it's someone you, you've heard of. Oh, I'll get him. And you'll play one season and you'll get enough out of him. And uh, and we had that sort of procession every year. So sort of who's our who's going to be our veteran, you know, whether it was a like Rob Lee or Nobby Solano or someone like that. You know, we had these sort of, yeah. and it was it was it was fun. But yeah, I mean, Nigel was he did a good job for us, definitely. You know, and his obviously his legs were gone, same as Pierce's legs were gone when he played there, but um, at that time, it wasn't so much of an issue, I don't think, having a slower left back. And for nowadays, you cannot have Pablo Zabaleta, you cannot have him. And, you know, obviously, he got found out last season. But they're just the wingers are so quick and the game's so fierce to play the, on the wings that you need someone who you need someone young like Ben Johnson and stuff like that to have that sort of be able to match them for pace nowadays where you could just be wily. Like, you know, they were always the wily veterans and they would know how to play a winger, a young winger or something like that. But, um, yeah, okay, Nigel's in. Uh, it's going to midfield, then, man. Who have got midfield then? Thank you. So I'll go with both of the, the the sort of, I don't know, young, the idols that I had as a, as a youngster, I suppose. Sure. And that was Joe Cole being one of them because yeah. I think he was probably the best player that I'd seen play mm. football you know, uh, live at that point in time. I just think he was class and you knew he was coming through because they won the youth cup and that yeah. was an unbelievable achievement when they won that. So you knew something special was mm. coming. Um, and yeah, just, just to see a player with that much skill and ability again, it was just from what I'd seen previous years being a West Ham fan, I'd never seen anyone who had that sort of those tricks and uh, yeah. it just sort of took me back as a young boy really you just looked and you was just in awe of what he could do with a football it was just superb so um yeah joe cole yeah, goes in sure. for me um yeah. and then next to him has to be michael carrick because they were they were both there um at that yeah. time and carrick had that sort of that's sort of, i guess he was the the player who sort of went under the radar a little bit more totally. really um, you know, but he was the one who sort of made everything tick. He done the simple mm. thing. He moved the ball around well. We sort of, and um, yeah, he, he, I remember at that time he said, you know, I'd never leave West Ham for anyone other than Newcastle because Newcastle was his boyhood club. Yeah, everyone was saying he's just left peg was just incredible when it was just exciting times to have both of them players coming through at the same Definitely. time. It was just such an exciting time being a West Ham fan. Yeah, it really, really was, and uh, we, we had some. Um, 
we had we've had a few obviously and we had to see tony carr um and, and he speaks about that time and he actually he's 11 was pretty fucking awesome to be honest it was all players that he's brought through the academy it was like literally the fucking england first team it was mental and um and yeah no it was just that time wasn't it and and it was a whole sort of weird time as well because you had these young you had obviously rios you had frank you had you had you know carrick you had joe cole you had glenn johnson you then had ian wright and 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 razor ruddock and then you had you know your crazy foreign players as well it was a really weird time it was my best time as a west ham fan that period like, it was Definitely. just so unpredictable and so far and you had like you know you had your ian bishops and your john monkers and it was just a really nice hodgepodge of people and um yeah carrick was it was and you're totally right he i always think he got sort of left out in the wash a bit when you talk about it's always about joe and it's always about rio but carrick went on and every team that he left after he played they didn't recover i don't think we, we had a we haven't had a player like michael carrick since he left neither did tottenham neither did man united um and he he should have got more england caps i think definitely um and uh again i just think he came a bit at the same time and it happens all the time with west ham players they turn up and they're there with a whole bunch of similar players like you know everyone goes to talk about phil parks and phil parks was in goal when shilton was in goal and ray clements and he didn't get as many games as he should same as billy bonds and stuff like that obviously never playing for england and stuff uh, and carrick i think was one of those ones who gets left out but every team he's played for the fans really really rate him and uh and that that shows you not just one club but it's all of them i mean my mates who are Tottenham fans still talk about how they've never replaced michael carrick and they haven't um and long long may that continue um right so we put so put michael in we get it's quite funny we get quite a few like non-west ham fans watch these show watch, watch the episodes because they don't have anything else like this they don't have that sort of connection and family and, and community spirit around and so you know there we go there you go john page if you're watching <laughs> but again two players we didn't sell for enough money mate they did the same thing again i mean you if you say, was to yeah. total up you know what you should have got for rio cole carrick lampard defoe glenn johnson if you total up yeah. what their value would be in current market it would be phenomenal i know it's a different time but even back then still we just didn't get enough money for those players no. We didn't we didn't and unfortunately obviously and yeah, carrick being obviously you know we hadn't gone up and yeah and that's why i like someone like carrick because he said look i'll give you a season in the championship you know and we we were you know one goal away from him staying with us really you know you know i still have nightmares about this sea of yellow shirts bobbing along to glad all over in millennium stadium but um but he did and, and i respect people who do that you know he gave us a season and um and we didn't stay up and he moved on fair enough you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. um didn't just you know put a transfer request in straight away and, and stuff I, I hate people who do that right anyway um so we've got joe we've got carrick who's who's next so we'll go out on the the wide now and um i'm going for trevor sinclair oh tricky trev so yeah obviously so many moments that you can pick out of him the ball into decanio but i think the one that really really sticks in my mind being from woolwich and at this time cholton being back um yeah. the goal he scored on boxing day when we beat um four nil or four one i can't remember what it was but four nil or four one um that volley was just unbelievable um just fell yeah. to him outside of the box and he just sort of swiveled and 
bang straight in the the top corner. It was an unbelievable goal. And and yeah, at that time, you just the last thing you wanted was to get beat by um, the team where all your mates uh, support them and, and everything. Totally. So it was really yeah. important. And Boxing Day, we've we've never had a brilliant history of winning over those sort of Christmas periods no. really we never seemed to do too well so I feared the worst but um, <laughs> we were superb that day and we we played really really well and, and Sinclair was a huge part of that. and not only that I just think those sort of intertoto cup games that we had yeah. he was brilliant through those games he really carried us through that um, if you look back at some of the games that we played there in the Mets games um, he was just brilliant mate just the, the pace that he had and there's the, the the creativity that he had and, and you know he was an absolute nightmare for fullbacks absolutely he really was and i mean you have um and i was listening to a thing did the other day and he was saying that you know his best playing time was at west ham technically he thought his, his better was a was a qpr before he got injured but um yeah he loved his time at west ham and um still fondly obviously still turns up at under stadium occasionally does speak very fondly of it on talk sport and stuff like that as well and you know i think it's safe to say we resurrected his career really because he was sort of going like that a bit at qpr and comes to us and gets back in england squad you know and, and stuff like that going to the world cup and that was amazing that was the yeah, first time i can in my lifetime having a West Ham English player in the World Cup, you know, that never happened with us, you know. It did afterwards. You said there's Joe and that would go and then go to Chelsea and Frank and then play for England. But a current West Ham player, I was like, fuck you know, this, you know, mm. when he scored again, you know, he scored and and um yeah, obviously played really well. And I was I think I was at the uni at the time and he was really, really proud because he wore your West Ham shirt. A bit like sort of the Euros when Pyatt's played, but obviously being yeah. French, but it was really cool. But um, yeah, Trevor Sinclair was in my team. I just thought, yeah, I love love the man. Uh, right, okay, Trevor's in. Who's uh, who else we got, man? So we go on the other side now, and it is the man you just mentioned, Dimitri oh, Payet. He's just yeah. unbelievable. Just yeah, and I, I struggle to separate him and Di Canio, to be honest with you. But yes, I get that. He, in terms of ability and what he achieved in that season, and again, it's. Like I said, we always had heroes, whether it be Di Canio, mm. Cole, Sinclair. I just don't get the same feeling for some of the players that we have around us now, other than Declan Rice. Declan Rice, last season, brilliant. I just don't get it. But Payet was just a, another magician, a typical West Ham player. I, I remember when he first played, and I can't remember who it, it was. I think it was Berkikara, and it was in the... the um, first stages of the the European competition. I think we'd got there through fair play that year, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was that one. Um and I remember him starting, but he wanted to take everything. And I was moaning so much if it was a corner he wanted to take it. If it was a free kick he wanted to take it. And I was like, he ain't going to be one of these players who just wants to take everything surely. Because you get that at school. You don't expect yeah, that yeah, from yeah. a professional <laughs> football team that one player wants to take it on the left and the right. And he wants to have the throw and he wants to have this, he wants to have that. So it was like, surely we ain't. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, just let him take everything now. Just just let yeah, him have it all. Yeah, because yeah. He, And he, he grew into it. And that, that first couple of games, he was a bit like, you know, I weren't too sure about him. And then he just got better and better and um just that a fire was lit i think he just he took to us we took to him um i think it was just all written in the stars really for that last mm. season for that to to all come together um so, billich ended up being the manager who got it and he, he couldn't have been a better mm. man to have at the club for that final season mm. um so yeah i think 
you know, in terms of the memories that he gave me there were just unbelievable. We're just yeah. every time he touched the ball, you just thought something could happen. And it was just so exciting to watch. And yeah, I'd give anything for another player like that right now, to be honest. Yeah, totally. And you're right. He's just he was you're right. We 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 I think West Ham fans are happiest when we have that mercurial player. You're right, like a Decanio or a Payet or a Joe Cole, Alan Devonshire or I don't know even even back even further you know it's like you have to have that sort of fancy dan type player we love a fancy dan type player but i think with payet it was just i mean he i mean you know i know what you say i mean me i'm, I'm the same you know between him and decanio i have a different view i think payet was technically the best player ever seen at west ham that's for sure no no shadow of a doubt um although Louis Jimenez came close. I forgot what a good player Louis Jimenez was with his bleach blonde hair, but I watched about and I thought, oh, he was fucking good. He should have played more. Um, anyway, um, but but he was, and, that, and that's it, that Berkakara game, I remember it so vividly because I had to do the announcing that day and I couldn't, and, and no one knew any of the players. And, and I'm, I've got this team sheet full of just consonants. And I was like, I don't know. And I don't even know how to pronounce Berkakara. Was that right? And it was like, and I was talking, I remember like talking to like um, Paul Stringer, the press officer. I was like, Paul, are they, because I, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, where's, is, is, have they, have, have Berkakara got a, uh, yeah, have they got a press officer? Oh, I don't know. And they're like some bloke with a fag. Like, it was like, and I remember they got, their, their manager was really short. I think it was Berka Car. He's in. It might be. It might be at FC Astra. But yeah, one of them. And he's really, really short. And he wanted a fag, so he'd, he'd go out at half time and like pre match uh, out the front. Uh, you know, by the reception to have a fag. We're like, well, everyone else has a fag. It was just really, really bizarre. And it was just such a weird day. So I sat there, and I was sat next to Kiate and Sacco, and they were laughing at uh, Fabrizio Micoli, who was like their, their, their star striker. And I remember because Car had McDonald's, was sponsored by yeah. McDonald's. And he was the one that Mark did the, oh, you're fat, mate. You know, you're, you know, that him. And they were laughing at him. And I said, no, he's like a proper ex. He was good. And I was like, bring up his Wikipedia page. He'd play for like Milan and did it in Italian. And they were just laughing. It was really, really funny. But yeah, no, I remember that just, I remember his little Payet. He was again we didn't really know much about this band obviously the stats people knew he was top of the european you know chances league or whatever you know whatever it was but um he was and again a guy who didn't really take too many games to get into the swing of it do you know what i mean i remember um the, the south end game in you know and he's all, that's when he all came alive when he scored that goal and was just incredible in the friendly and then um the first game of the season uh, the Arsenal game, and he was doing he was doing the pirouettes and stuff, and yeah, no, he was amazing, he was an absolutely amazing player. And you get the and people sort of moan about obviously the way he left and stuff, but you get that with those types of players, don't you? You know, they 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 they're all right, but you know, if you you have to be nice to them. If you're not nice to them, they'll throw their toys out the pram and want to go home. And yeah, he that's what he did. And same as Arnautovic. And I mean, yeah, we only got Paolo because he pushed over a ref. You know what I mean? So what do we <laughs> to expect? Right. Okay. Uh, let's go. We, we're playing two up front. Yeah, playing one in behind and then one sure. as the, the main striker. Nice. So the Canio in behind, obviously. <laughs> so I keep, I keep uh, spoiler yeah. alerts, but yeah. Yeah, no, you just yeah. Just again, for me, I still, if it, 
because of how long he stayed around, he's still Pip's Pyatt for me. And I, I think you do people do underestimate his technical ability as well. I think the ball used to stick to his feet just like it did with Pyatt. Mm. Um, I think his passing ability was unbelievable. Um, he was just a, a just an absolute colossal player for West Ham and. Again, another player who you just thought at any moment he could just do one bit of magic that would just make it happen. Um, I remember we were bottom of the league, rock bottom of the league as well and looking terrible. And we went Chelsea away um, and we beat him 3-2 and he scored that volley and he's running around going, mamma mia, mamma mia. And it was just an unbelievable goal. And then we're all in the stands going, we are bottom of the league, just right giving it to Chelsea as if to say, look, we're crap, but we're still rolling you lot. Um, it was just a brilliant away day. Um, but then you go back to the, the Man United game, which we've touched upon a couple of times and that, that Bartes famous goal was just incredible. Um, there's just so many moments with Di Canio. Arsenal at Upton Park when we hadn't beat I mean, I can't remember how long he flicks it back over. Like that was almost like the Burkamp goal that he scored yeah. in the World Cup. Everyone remembers the Burkamp goal, but the yeah. Canios was up there as well. It was still a brilliant, brilliant finish. Um, so yeah, I think his technical ability, you know, he, he could have held his own against Pyatt. I'm sure he'd yeah. say that too, to be honest. But yeah. just an unbelievable West Ham man. Again, just he loves the club with a passion. Yeah. He just, you know, even now, even now, when you see him come back and he's singing bubbles and his claret and blue suits that he wears. And yeah, he was just an unbelievable character. And you hear some of the stories of him turning up um, first day at training and he brought his own coaches along. And Harry Redknapp's like, who's these guys? And he's like, no, your coach is not good enough. I've got my own coaches. And, you know, the stories are that he changed West Ham altogether. And there was, this will be interesting to you, but there was that time where we always wanted to come out to to like the what's you all know the name of the song, but we used to have a, a an atmospheric track that we played before bubbles. Was it? Um, well, there, we had a few. We had um, the Apprentice song. That's the one. Had, yeah, That's so the one. it's That's the night, the night of the the nights of the Capulets. I think Romeo and Juliet is called. There you go. Yeah. So that one, but he made the DJ change it to the Paolo Di Canio song. We we didn't actually yeah technically we yeah I don't, Paolo didn't Paolo didn't make it change but we 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 started to do it more often yeah yeah but yeah yeah it, the, 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 yeah we it wasn't if I remember correctly me and Jen we didn't it wasn't necessarily um, this was, was Jimmy it? Bullard who come who said this by the way yeah I mean well, I mean yeah I mean Jimmy yeah bless him <laughs> you never know what he's coming out with after time to be but, fair. I mean it's something that Paolo would probably say I mean funny story I was talking to one guy um and and he was interviewing Paolo and he was at Chadwell Heath waiting for him and I think the team were playing in the cup game and he wasn't in the squad um and he heard he could hear just whistling of the Paolo Di Canio song just could hear it for like constantly about 30 minutes it's like, who the fuck's that? And Paolo walks out, and it's pissing down in rain, but Paolo walks out from the shower. It was him singing, whistling his own song <laughs> own for song. half an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, it was, it was good fun, good fun. But, I mean, yeah, I mean... And we, we he apparently to... changed the, oh, the diet for everyone. They yeah. He changed the, you know, he changed and made everyone go on to pasta and he completely changed the, the whole culture oh, of the club. Funny. And, but the, you know, that that's a man and it's such a shame because he should have been a West Ham manager in the future. He should have mm -hmm. been someone who managed the club. The only reason he doesn't manage the club is because of modern day football and how it's, 
gone True. now. Yeah. And he's someone who demands 110% all the time. He would demand too much of the modern day player who are prima donnas, who are, you know, don't want to give that level of commitment. And that's why he would fall out of them. And it's such a yeah. shame because if, if, if you let him do the things that he wanted to do and you bought into his philosophy and you ended mm. up super fit and you trained to that level and you gave the level of commitment that he would expect from a West Ham team, he is someone that would bring success to the football club. Mm. But because of the way modern day football is now, yeah. the types of players, they just wouldn't tolerate him, his management style and they wouldn't tolerate his his attitude. And, and that's why yeah. he'll, he'll never manage West Ham. But I mm. think that's such a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame, and you're totally right, Frankie. Absolutely, totally right. The, the, you know, they're they're they're, sl they're slightly moddy coddled, aren't they, modern footballer? And and and, and you, you know, he, just the, the nature of Paolo, he would rub players up the wrong way. They would they would want to leave, um, and so you can just see it there. You can see it there. I think that's what happened when he was at Swindon for a bit, and at Sunderland, the same thing happened. And um, he's a he's a a tragedy because i think he would if ever you want someone to connect the fans with the team he would be that person yeah. do you know what i mean he, he would be in the middle of that venn diagram between the fans and the players he, that's him in the middle um, a bit like what martin noble is you know he's he's, he's a, a man he's, he's a fan playing 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 for west ham and and he would and Palo would be a fan a bit like what billich was for a while but i don't think billich had that that nastiness the problem um, with billich was he wanted to you said he wanted to make friends with everyone but he also mm -hmm. bought in all of his mates yeah so his fitness coach was his mate and he was like yeah. well past it and it was all too like that and if he would have done what Moyes is doing now i.e bringing in a stuart pierce and bringing yeah. in those sorts of players he, he might have got away with it a little bit more but he did surround yeah. himself with his friends and wasn't good enough i'm afraid yeah i agree oh sorry i ice cube terry i'm professional um <laughs> yeah um no i totally agree um but uh yeah and it, and, and i love doing these things because everyone's got a palo story and and some of the stories that come up are just hilarious and that that's a whistling and we had um we had john joe and gary herman came on and and they got invited down to swindon to see to, obviously palo was still manager there and they were in the city ground in in palo's office really at the ground and Paolo comes in and there's a chatting and he opens up his desk drawer and by the bear in mind he's a he's in Swindon yeah you know, it's his it's his job um and the drawer is rammed full of West Ham memorabilia <laughs> like, like pictures like clippings and he was just they spent about two hours after the game I think they'd lost as well I think they Swindon had lost going to all this West Ham memorabilia and it's like Paolo, bless you. Nicky Hawkins does a good one as well about him at um, one of those fan events. And Paolo's all dressed up, as you said, in his clarets, in his Gucci glasses and tanned. And Nicky went, oh, looking good there, Paolo. He just turned around and just went, I always dress up for my family. Yes, so I thought, oh, 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 bless him. All right, so Paolo's in. Um, because I think, yeah, personally, I mean, we talk about the, the Paolo Payet debate. Um, Payet was better technically i think but the canyon was a better player because you've got the technicality but you've got the passion you didn't get it didn't get it with Payet. you know Payet had to be on it to to be good where the canyon would force himself to be good if he was having a shit game and and that, that's why he's my favorite player another one there 
Eddie, go and watch his last game for West Ham and see him come down that tunnel in floods of tears. You know, these are we've got a couple of players in now who have left and absolutely been heartbroken because they're no longer going to play for West Ham again. I can't say that there's one player that we've got at the moment that would play the last game for West Ham and be in floods of tears, obviously other than Mark Noble. I think Mark Noble is a given. But anyone else, and we need that back again. We need right. players to feel that way. And if they do, it will make such a difference. You know, this, what we've got at the moment with players, we said fancy dance. I think Anderson has everything in his locker to be that player. And when I saw him score that goal, a little flick against Man United, I honestly thought that he was going to be the player that would go on and become that new flair, you know, superstar that we'd all fall in love with. I, I really did think that, but he just... Oh, thank you. Where have you gone, man? Oh, no. Well, while, uh, while, while we wait for Frankie to get back, um, it's a shame because I was like, I'm loving that chat. Um, obviously, we've got the, the charity thing coming on soon, um, which would be good uh, next Thursday. Make sure you're around for that. Um, I'm not sure why where Frankie's gone, um, but... Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We carry on. So obviously he, he did just have to just put Paolo in. Um, I will try and remove him and put him back in, in a minute. We'll see what happens. Oh, I see it's all technical here. We'll see. That's the trouble when you do things on, on online. Do we have him back? We'll see. We'll see if he comes back or not. Um, but obviously he had Paolo Di Canio, which was a, which was a great shout. And obviously we've got the the stuff on the twenty um on Thursday the twenty seventh. Um, in terms of the charity stuff, the Iron Sporting Food Banks, which is really, really cool. And um, we've got the, the live game show with, um, uh, yeah, Frank, we're going to get Frankie back in. We're getting Frankie back in. Uh, it's all right. I was just, I was just plugging the, the, the live charity event. So it's okay. Wonderful. <laughs> anyway, we'll have power. We said Paolo. Yeah. Let's, let's have the last one. Let's have our, your, your last player, man. The last player, I'm still torn between two and I'll, Keep it very short and sweet with one and go into a bit more detail with the other. Nice. Um, the one that I felt, if I was to say who is the best natural goal scorer that I've ever seen play for West Ham, it's Jermaine Defoe. In okay. fact, it's not the best natural goal scorer I've seen play for West Ham. It's the best natural goal scorer I've seen play football live ever. I just think he, you know, we knew he was coming through. Bournemouth, you're watching the results at Bournemouth everywhere. And he went on that goal scoring run where he scored every single game for about 14 games or whatever it was. It was oh, ridiculous. Yeah. So you was just, there was just this real buzz about we was going to get this kid back and he was just going to, you know, come into the team and he could be amazing. And um, then he started to make appearances and um, you know, every time he come on, we were singing, we're going to score in a minute because you knew he was going to come on as a sub and he'd get a goal. And every time he did, it was just unbelievable. And, and then again, the affiliation with Cholton and there's still a little place in my heart because I live just around the corner for him. So I've got the, oh, the old Cholton ball there. Um, but he scored that hat-trick against Cholton, which was just brilliant. And the, yeah. it, it was just, you know, he, he, every time he got that ball in front of goal, you fancied him to score slight yeah. contrast to what we've got with Antonio at the minute. <laughs> don't when he goes running through one on one, I don't think he's gonna put it I in the corner. I don't but... think he knows Frankie. That's the thing. No, that's, yeah, that's you're right. It's so unpredictable. I just think yeah. he's so raw and you know it's and it's, it's endearing, I think, at the same time. But carry on, sorry, mate. Yeah, but I know so, 
and we again we had sort of that tony car sort of around the the club at that time and he weren't strong enough and he was such a small player but i remember at the time we were saying we're going to train him to run with his chest out and we're going to you know we're going to teach him how to be a bit more of a presence even though he's not the biggest player in the world and he just started to come through and he was just unbelievable so that was great but if i go down to like actual memories Okay, he's probably not the best striker ever, but Bobby Zamora will be the man for me. And that Ipswich yeah. away game where that ball sort of come over and he just lobs the keeper. It oh, was just... Yeah, I watched that again. It's just absolutely... He scored. Bobby Zamora, as much as he wasn't the, the most prolific goal scorer for us and he didn't... He wasn't the best striker that we had. I mean, the, we had so much expectation. At one point, he, I, can't, I can't remember what he'd been bought for but he was a really expensive player, something like eighteen million pound or something like that. He'd, he'd been sold for before he come to us, and then he comes to us a, a little bit cheaper. And you thought, well, he he must have something about him to have gone for that price before. And he comes in, he's a bit whatever, but he always scored the important goals. The important goals, he always popped up, and and he was the man who who you know got you a goal when you needed it. So um, yeah, for. The, the memories and for that moment at Ipswich away, which was just an unbelievable day out and probably one of the best away atmospheres that I've ever experienced. Um, yeah. Bobby Zamora goes in. Yeah, I mean, but I remember when we went up, he, I've, I've a vague recollection of the first sort of month, maybe six weeks, he was like top goal scorer in the Premier League. He had, it was, if I remember there was like, he, but he didn't score a clean goal. Everything sort of was a deflection or I think he scored a good goal against Liverpool. He came off his ass. I really remember, you know, I vaguely remember he just had a knack and, um, you know, West Ham fan, you know, and I think, again, we love, we love fans who play for West Ham and, um, and, you know, great guy and uh, into his fishing, obviously, with Mr. Bullard and stuff amongst others. But, um, no, he's a great, a great guy and a lovely, lovely bloke. But uh, you're right, he was, yeah, because obviously he was at Brighton and there was Bristol Rovers and he went to Brighton, didn't he? Then he went to Spurs and then he came to us. And uh, then afterwards, yeah, he went back and had a great career, you know, QPR and he's still fondly remembered. He did the same thing, scored scored the goals that took him up for QPR and stuff yeah. as well. So, uh, yeah, everywhere he's gone, he's scored goals. But I, I agree, not the most prolific, but as a matter with West Ham, I think. Um, you know, we, we, we've never had a prolific striker, really. Yeah, I mean, I think since... After Antonio, I, I did the maths the other day. Um, obviously, scoring ten Premier League goals. I think the first person since then was, I believe, Carlton Cole. We mm. might have been Ian Wright or something like that. You know, it's, I'm sure. I'm sure Ken Irons will, will give me a will tell me in in thirty seconds time who it was. But uh, it, we haven't had that ten goal. It, you know, we talk about tw a twenty goal striker. We want a ten goal striker consistently first, and then we can move on. But uh, that's great, man. Thank you so much for your time, man. We've, you know, an hour, an hour and seven minutes, and time has flown mm. by as always. And we we promise to um, give you something to of course so so just just away. to preference, preference this frankie um and, and baz have kindly going to donate some uh, something for the for the raffle for the iron supporting food bank stuff uh and and this this is all off the cuff so i'll leave it to you frankie Go on, well we'll do a little package for you because we've got a few bits and pieces at the moment so the poster behind us the declan rice one with southgate signed hand signed by him we will put one of those up for you um, we've also got a signed England program from his uh, debut with England Czech Republic program. So we'll put one of those in as well. And I do have one boot left, which you'd said you would have oh. liked. So we'll sort you out the boot as well. 
Um, and while I'm here, can I do a little plug for uh, an Isla ticket um, raffle that we're doing at the moment? So we have this huge um, framed setup from wow. Declan Rice's England debut, which has the official team sheet signed. Um, it has the program. It has a pass to the Bobby Moore lounge in there as well. Um, and it has the official match ticket down in the bottom corner. Um, so it's a massive plaque from his... It's pretty much the full set from his England debut. Yeah. Um, so we're raffling that off for Isla at the moment, and it's only £10 a ticket. So um, people can tweet us and DM us for the details, and then Baz will send the PayPal details um, and £10 a raffle ticket. There's not long left to go on that now. So um, I think there's about a week left to, to get get your chance to win that. So While we're doing Isla stuff as well, we're obviously the, the Miami's 11, we'll just we'll plug it all, might as well. The Miami's 11, um, you can get your Sabutio prints done by steve uh krieger and 25 percent of all sales goes to Isla as well so and i know he's got a sale on now for for the for the oh. closing there we go we've done it all we've done it all we've talked about for charity and then we're all good um yeah thank you cheers mate thank you so much for your time obviously thank you to everyone for watching or, or listening now because everything's gonna be on podcasts in you know spotify apple or, or alexa you know you could say alexa play Miami's 11 and uh, that will come on eventually as well. That'd be fun. Um, so hopefully that's happened now because I've said it and people are watching it on YouTube and they're electric. I want to really piss everyone off. Um, but anyway, from, from me and Frankie, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Come on, you irons. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.